Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and today we're talking swimwear. This is an episode that I had actually planned to do in May, but it got the COVID shuffle as lots of people weren't sure if they'd be going to beaches or pools, and maybe they wouldn't even need a swimsuit. But as we're seeing things open up, I don't think I could let a summer go by without talking about swimsuits. And even if you're not heading to beaches or pools this summer, it's great information. You can apply it next year. I also want to let you know that there is a downloadable guide, a free guide that goes with this episode. It's the ultimate swimwear guide. And in it, you'll find information for finding the best swimsuit for each of the four body types that I talk about, what to look for, what to avoid. There are pictures in case you're a visual learner. I've also got answers to the top swimwear dilemmas that women in my community have asked about as well as my favorite resources for swimsuit shopping. You can get it by going to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash swim, or there will be a link in the episode notes on our website as well. Today in Lessons from Linda, I'm going to share the story of one of my more frustrating Lindas. It's one I will never forget. In vocabulary, we're talking about yarn dyed fabrics. And in current events, I'm going to give you an update on what used to be one of my favorite times of the year. And sadly, I say used to be. Before we get started, though, your homework from the last full episode was to try statement bottoms and a basic top. I know that my all-access ladies have been doing it, and I am loving the pictures. They all look so cute. If you try it, post a picture on Instagram and tag Everyday Style with Jen so I can see it. I cannot wait to see what you have come up with. All right, let's kick things off as we always do with lessons from Linda. Today's Linda was referred to me by one of my very favorite Lindas. She said to me, you know, my friend Linda could really use your help. I should get her a session with you. And you know, I am always a little wary of conversations that start out like that. I love working with women who want my help. But when someone says my mom or my sister, my friend, whoever needs your help, I'm a little hesitant. So I said to the first Linda, well, why don't you talk to her about it? See if she wants help. And great. If she does, let's do it. But don't just sign her up. Make sure she's okay with this first. So my favorite Linda talked to the new Linda and the new Linda said she was in. I sent her my pre-service questionnaire. And when she sent it back, I couldn't figure out what the problem was. I couldn't figure out why the first Linda said, this new Linda really needs you. Now I've been doing this a long time. And from that questionnaire, 99% of the time, I can figure out what's going on before I ever walk through the door. But this Linda was truly a one percenter. I had no idea. I arrived at our closet at an appointment. I got all set up in her bedroom. And then I asked a few follow-up questions to help me dig deeper and figure out why I was there. And what she told me was that Linda wanted to look nice. Nice, by the way, is a terrible word. It doesn't tell you anything. It's kind of passive aggressive, frankly. So I asked, well, how do you feel you look now? And she said, well, fine, I guess. Fine is another terrible word. It also tells you nothing. Also to me, there isn't a huge leap from fine to nice, if you know what I mean. It isn't like drab to fab, terrible to terrific. It's fine to nice, but whatever. Okay. I thought let's just get started and then we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. 
I just gave up trying to figure it out and we started trying things on. As always, we started with the bottoms. Everything she tried on fit fine. Her clothes weren't necessarily my style, but that doesn't mean there was anything wrong with them. They weren't at the height of current fashion, but they weren't noticeably dated either. They were truly fine. So every once in a while, I would ask Linda, do you like those pants or do you like that skirt? And she'd say, nah, it's fine. I just wear them to run errands or go to dinner. We don't really dress up much. After hearing that over and over, I wasn't learning anything and I was still trying to figure out what am I doing here? So I tried another tactic and I said, if you could change anything about your wardrobe, what would it be? And Linda said, I just want to look nicer. So I said, what does that mean? And she told me, well, you know, I just, I want to feel nicer when I go out. Okay. I mean, we were still just using the words fine and nice and I couldn't figure out why am I here? So I tried another approach that sometimes I do with clients and I say, show me an outfit in your closet that makes you feel the way you want to feel. She pulled out a super fancy outfit, which is helpful, but it doesn't really apply to making your everyday wardrobe feel nicer. And I said, so what about something that you'd wear to dinner or errands? Because she keep referring to those. And I said, do any of those things make you feel nice? And she sort of picked through the pile that was on her bed of t-shirts and and shorts and pants, whatever. And she pulled out a few things. She said, well, these are fine, I guess. Inside, I was absolutely losing my mind. Every once in a while, there comes this moment when I realize I cannot help someone achieve what they want for a variety of reasons. And when that happened, I usually just switched in my mind to, okay, let's at least get super practical and get rid of what's not working. Maybe we can't hit this definition of nice that I can't seem to find, but at least we can get her closet in good shape. And maybe that will give her more clarity. Maybe that's the first step that she needed. So we kept trying things on, but she wouldn't part with anything. And she kept saying, it's fine. I just wear it to run errands or to go out to dinner. We don't really dress up much. I must've heard that phrase a hundred times that day. Linda had a ton of clothes and all of them were perfectly fine. None were terrible. None were great. She didn't really need to add anything to her wardrobe. She had everything she needed, but she also wouldn't get rid of anything either. At the end of our session, I tried to make some outfits to at least make what she had feel a little bit fresher. And so I'd put a few things together and she'd say, no, I usually wear that top with those pants or no, that sweater goes with that skirt. When our time was up, I left so frustrated. I cannot stand feeling like I didn't help a woman feel better about herself or have an easier time of getting dressed. I just literally don't know why I was there the whole time. I couldn't figure it out. And I kind of had a feeling neither did she. Now, the funny thing is she called me back about a year and a half later to go through her closet for the opposite season. And I thought, okay, this is on her own. It's not because a friend put her up to it. This time will be different. And I know this is the part where you're waiting for the breakthrough and it didn't happen. There was no breakthrough. The second verse was same as the first. Everything was fine. Nothing was nice. She didn't want to use her clothes in a different way. Didn't want to get rid of anything. Obviously, though, she got something out of our sessions or she wouldn't keep calling me back. Even now, I can feel the frustration of being in her bedroom thinking, 
why am I here? How can I help you? What is, what is it I can do for you? And I, I hate that feeling. And I kind of wish I could go back in time and figure it out with her, but I have a feeling it would just be a frustrating time travel. So I will just leave that one alone and wish Linda all the best. And I hope that she is feeling and looking nice. All right. There are two things I want you to take away from my time with this, Linda. First and most importantly, you cannot have a wardrobe you love made from clothes you don't. Let me repeat that. And if you are not driving, write it down, make a note to yourself, imprint it to memory, do what you got to do. But you cannot have a wardrobe you love made from clothes you don't. If you look at the majority of your clothes and you say, meh, they're fine, don't expect to look at your wardrobe as a whole or your style and say, wow, I love this. Your wardrobe is simply the sum of its parts. Those clothes that you're hanging on to because they're fine and you can't part with the fine because you've spent money on them, those are the pieces keeping you from a style and wardrobe you love. If you look at all of your clothes and they're not exciting or stylish or even nice, your wardrobe won't be either. If you want to look nice for running errands and going to dinner, your clothes need to be your definition of nice. If you want to look polished for running errands and going to dinner, your clothes need to look that way. You will look exactly how your clothes do. Second thing is, speaking of errands and going to dinner, basically that was Linda's entire life. That's what she did. She spent her entire life in clothes she wasn't jazzed up about because she didn't consider those places important enough to have clothes she loved. So she settled for fine and lived her whole life in clothes that were fine, but not nice like she wanted. The places that you go and the things that you do most often that is your real life. That's that's it. That's your life. We need to stop acting like our everyday lives are just how we pass the time until our real lives happen. That's your real life right there. This this one thing right here is why women don't feel stylish. When you look at women with great style, you know what they have? They have great everyday style for the way they really live. They look put together when they're running errands or going to the farmer's market or going to dinner. Those are the women that we look at and say, oh, she's got such great style. Everyone can put themselves together for special occasions. It's actually not that hard. But wearing clothes that you love that go beyond fine in your everyday life, that is when style truly happens. Focus there, not on the one-off, special occasions, fancy dinners out. Everybody can get dressed for those. Those aren't what's keeping you from style. It's what you wear in your everyday that matters. Okay, let's move on to our word of the week. Today's vocabulary term is yarn dyed. That's Y-A-R-N hyphen D-Y-E-D. This one was asked in a weekly Q&A session in our member Facebook group, and I thought it would be a good one to cover for everyone. You might see this in a clothing description and wonder, what does that mean and why should I care? So let's break it down. First, what does yarn dyed mean? Yarn dyed means that the individual fibers or yarns were dyed before being woven or knit to create a length of fabric. That's all that means. It is the earliest step in the manufacturing process when you still have those raw fibers, they get dyed at that point. An alternative to yarn dyeing is piece dyeing, which means undyed fibers are woven or knit together into fabric, and then a long length of fabric is run through a dye bath and colored all at once. 
This works fine for solid fabrics, but not for prints because obviously you can't uh, make a pattern through a dye bath. You'll often also see clothes labeled as garment dyed. This means that the article of clothing was finished in the manufacturing process in its undyed state, and then color was added as the very last step. An alternative to dyeing, which you will see, especially for prints, is printed fabric, where the pattern is actually just printed onto plain fabric the way you would print on paper. For the most part, when you're online, clothing descriptions are going to mention yarn dyed, garment dyed, or printed. You're unlikely to see stores bragging about piece dyed fabric. Most people aren't going to know what that means. And frankly, it's just kind of the standard for solid fabric. So, you know, people don't mention it. Who cares? Okay. So let's talk about why you should care about each process and which is the best to look for for you. Yarn dyed fabrics can either be prints or solid, but when it comes to prints, you're more likely to find things like stripes or plaids, simple geometric patterns. It's more difficult and therefore more expensive to make a floral pattern or a paisley pattern from dyed yarns. And often what you see is the back of the fabric when it's yarn dyed doesn't look as nice as the front because it gets messy with all the different yarn colors required to create the pattern. So yarn dyeing is usually reserved for simpler patterns and solids. Yarn dyed fabrics usually look the same on both sides, meaning that if you turn it over, you can't really tell which is the front, which is the back. Both sides are pretty much the same and both are usable. Also in the dyeing process, every fiber will be just a tiny, tiny bit different. Not enough to make the variation super noticeable, but what you'll probably see is some texture to the fabric that comes from every fiber just being a tiny bit different. Another benefit of yarn dyeing is that the fabric feels more substantial and often higher quality and the color fastness is better than piece dyed fabrics. Now this is important. In general, the quality of the dye is better the earlier it happens in the manufacturing process. So from a color fastness perspective, yarn dyeing is better than piece dyeing. Piece dyeing is better than garment dyeing. So that's just one thing to keep in mind in terms of will this fade, will it bleed? The earlier in the process it is dyed, the less it will fade and bleed. Piece dyeing is the most common process, which is probably why they don't mention it. Most of the solid color clothing out there is piece dyed. It's a more economical process and it produces an even color on the whole roll of fabric. Garment dyeing, again, that's when the item is completed and then dyed as the last step in the manufacturing process. There are a couple of advantages to garment dyeing. Because the dye is applied last and the entire item is washed and dried, a couple of times in the dyeing process, there's very little shrinkage to garment dyed pieces. I get questions all the time. Do you think this will shrink? How do I know if something will shrink? If this is a big concern of yours, garment dyed items are a little bit of a safer bet. The other advantage to garment dyeing is that it creates a softer broken in feel to the, the items. You'll see a lot of like garment dyed sweatshirts and t-shirts that look like old favorites right off the rack, which a lot of people like. That's what gives them that softness. And again, that kind of broken in look, it's garment dyeing. Okay, finally, let's touch on printed fabric. Most of the patterns you see, especially complicated, involved ones with a lot of colors, are going to be printed. 
The advantage is that it's an inexpensive way to produce fabric with a pattern. The downside is that the front of the fabric has the print, but the back of the fabric doesn't. The back is solid, or maybe it has the pattern showing through just a little bit. Tends to make the item look a little bit cheaper, but it's not a huge deal and it doesn't come up that often. We don't often see what the inside of the fabric looks like. The best example I can give is a few years ago when those high low hem dresses were everywhere and you'd see the unfinished fabric at the bottom, like behind someone's legs because the print was just on the front. In my opinion, it looked kind of strange and a little bit cheap, but you know, those aren't around a ton now, so it's not that big of a deal. It also happens sometimes when you roll up the sleeves of a shirt or a blouse that's been printed and there is no pattern on the back. Again, if it bothers you, don't buy it or just don't roll up your sleeves. This isn't a huge thing, but something to consider. All right, now you know a little bit more about what the words in the clothing descriptions mean and what you can expect from your clothes. And now let's talk current events. If you are into clothes and shopping and all things fashion, you know that the biggest sale of the year, the Nordstrom anniversary sale, happens every July. If you're not familiar with the anniversary sale, unlike most store sales that put current merchandise on sale or discount items that are on their way out, the Nordstrom anniversary sale puts fall merchandise that hasn't even hit the racks yet on sale. It's always been one of the first looks at fall and an event that fashiony people live for. Just wait, every single blogger or influencer you follow will be talking about hashtag end sale. It's going to be everywhere. And if you followed me for a bit, you know that I spend the last two weeks of July sharing my picks in every single category from denim to shoes to workwear and beauty, all of it. Except this year, I won't be for two reasons. First, the anniversary sale isn't happening in July. It's been pushed back to August 19th through the 30th, obviously due to coronavirus and trying to make it as safe for staff and shoppers. Now, this could actually be very good news because I know it's hard to even think about buying a faux fur coat in July, even if it's a total steal and you're going to wish you had it later on. It's tough to think about trying that on or buying it when it's like 100 degrees outside. Moving the sale puts the dates a little bit closer to fall when our minds start to switch to a new season and purchases like that seem a little bit more reasonable and not like, oh, there'll never be a time where I want to wear a sweater. So that could be a good thing. But even before the postponement happened, I had made the decision not to do my annual picks. And here's why. For years, the anniversary sale was an opportunity to stock up on basics for fall and maybe splurge on a special piece or two. When I was shopping with clients, those two weeks were insane. I swear I clocked more hours than some Nordstrom employees. I could tell you where everything in that store was. I knew what they were out of. Like I lived at Nordstrom for those two weeks. And yes, things started to sell out toward the end. But even the last few days, there were still deals to be had and pieces to be found. But honestly, it's just not that way anymore. Nordstrom used to have a few days of early access shopping for cardholders, which is totally fair, and it's a great perk for Nordstrom cardholders. This year, early access for regular cardholders starts on August 13th, so it starts six days early. But now, even when early access starts, 
items are picked over and sold out. By the time the sale opens to the public, it is slim pickings indeed. Nordstrom has added even more VIP shopping days for different levels of cardholders, starting with their icon members who have to spend at least 15,000 per year net, that's you know taking out all your returns and everything, on their Nordstrom card. Icon members get to start shopping on August 4th. The next level starts August 7th, and then it's August 10th, and then August 13th. And finally, 15 days after the first group starts shopping, it's open to the public. These higher rewards tiers used to have a day or two before early access, but now they've got nine days before regular cardholders and a full two weeks before the general public, making it really difficult to make great picks from what's left. And since not everybody out there is an icon member, myself included, ladies, it's really difficult to make selections and then know that they're going to be sold out. You can actually preview the sale online and add items to your wish list starting July 24th. It's kind of fun to see how fast your items sell out, the start selling out anyway, the day icon status shoppers start purchasing. It goes fast. As much as I love the end sale, The last couple of years, they have not done a great job of having enough inventory to get through the entire sale. It's really felt like the sale is over by the time it officially starts. And there have been a ton of issues with orders being canceled and unhappy people. Also, I think fall is going to be another tricky inventory season in general because of what's happened this spring around the world. So I'm not anticipating an abundance of product at all. And for those reasons, I'm just going to sit this one out. So if you were looking forward to the anniversary sale this month, sorry, you're going to have to wait a little longer. If you were looking forward to my picks, Sorry, maybe 2021. Let's just see how this one goes. I know that there will be a lot of influencers and a lot of bloggers out there sharing their picks, but I just can't get excited about it this year. There's actually an interesting article about the anniversary sale and the challenges this ridiculous early access situation has caused, and I will link to that in our show notes. Okay, when we come back, I'm going to share a few tips and tricks for finding swimwear you love and swimwear that loves you back. The Summer 2020 Capsule Wardrobe Guide has retired, but that doesn't mean you can't have great style. If you listen to the personal style episode and you're struggling to find your style guideposts, or you don't even know where to start to create a wardrobe that feels like you, I've got the solution. Our Signature Style Masterclass is available to everyone this month, not just our All Access members. This video class will teach you how to find your style guideposts, teach you how to build your personal must-have list, and how to develop a signature style that is as fabulous as you are. As a bonus, you'll discover how to create outfit formulas that make getting dressed for anything easier than you thought possible. If you're ready for a style that's unique and all your own, head over to our website right now to sign up. This class will save you so much money by helping you find the items you'll actually want to wear and keeping you from buying things that will languish in your closet. This class is only available this month, so head to youreverydaystyle.com to get started. And now, back to the show. Does the phrase swimsuit season fill your heart with joy, with images of the beach and the pool and sunny days flashing before your eyes? Or does swimsuit season spark a little less joy and you look at putting on a suit as a necessary evil? Or maybe swimsuit season makes you say, 
Yeah, no thanks. Hard pass. I will stay fully clothed. Thank you very much. Regardless of where you fall on swimsuit season, I think we can all agree that swimsuit shopping can be a miserable task at best and a soul-sucking experience at its worst. A lot of women give up and they retire their swimsuits for good or only put one on under duress. I think we need to change that and celebrate swimsuit season. I've worked with a lot of clients who can't remember the last time they willingly put on a swimsuit, usually citing unhappiness with the way they look in a bathing suit and feeling like they're not quote unquote swimsuit ready. Remember, in order to have a swimsuit ready body, all you need is a body and a swimsuit. That's it. You're ready. I believe that no woman, regardless of her age or her size, or how many kids she has, should feel like her swimwear days have passed her by. If you love the beach or the pool, don't deny yourself the joy of getting out there. Now, if you don't love a good beach or pool day, I have some serious questions about your sanity, but that's a show for another day, and I love you anyway, even if you don't love the beach. I just don't get it. The mission of Everyday Style, as you know, is to inspire women to love the way they look and then give them the tools to do so. For this one, I'm going to let some much more talented voices than mine give you the inspiration. In the show notes, I've linked to some really great articles and blog posts about why you should put the swimsuit on. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com slash episode 57 to read them. They are absolutely worth your time and they might just inspire you to want to put on this suit. And that is my goal. And I'm going to let them do it. Today, however, I'm going to focus on the tools. That's what I do best. I think one of the reasons a lot of us dread swimwear season is the swimwear shopping. So I'm going to share some tips for making finding the right suit easier and more successful so you can find your best suit ever and learn to love swimsuit season again. The first thing to remember is that when you go swimsuit shopping, remember that this is a numbers game. It isn't like other clothes where you can pull a couple of things and something's going to work out of two or three options. Nah, you might have to try on a lot. Usually when I shop with clients, I'd pull five or six pairs of jeans to find ones that work. But when it comes to swimwear, I would probably pull 15 to 20 pieces. My clients were working hard when we went swimsuit shopping. And that is with a trained professional. Now, the secret to swimsuit shopping is to take more than you need into the fitting room and not get discouraged when it isn't going well in the beginning. It is just a fact-finding mission in the beginning. When you're shopping, pull every single style that interests you and then take two sizes of each suit, the size you think you are and one size up. Most women need to size up in swimwear, so anticipate that. And then again, don't get discouraged. It's just part of the process and it's the bathing suit. It's not you. Swimwear shopping is a time where I really recommend bringing a friend, not for her opinions, please not for her opinions, because what matters most, first of all, is how you feel in the swimsuit, not anybody's opinion, but how you feel in it. And also let's not put our friends in an awkward position of having to tell us something really isn't flattering. Her job should be that of a runner to go get you more sizes, to clean out the fitting room and put the ones that don't work back on the rack to get you different styles, different colors, whatever it is. 
I often say that we give up in a fitting room when we have to put our shoes back on. And trust me, after two or three trips out of that fitting room back onto the sales floor, most women are just ready to say, oh, screw it, bring on the cover up. And they just quit looking, right? Get a friend and do a swimsuit shopping trip together. Keep your opinions to yourselves, but just focus on one person first and then the other. And I realize as I record this that you may not be back in stores or in fitting rooms and you may have to do this online. And my advice to you in this case is to order way more than you need, way, way more. Look for stores with free shipping and free returns and order a lot if you can. It's going to be a lot easier to do that than to try on a couple things at a time, try on a different one. If you have no idea what size you are or what suits are going to be the most flattering for you, buy as much as you can and then return it all. It's going to save you a lot of time and headache. The silver lining of having to do it at home is that you have your own mirror and your own lighting. And don't we just hate fitting room mirrors and lightings? I, I know that I do. So trying things on at home isn't all bad. My next tip is to look for suits that replicate your favorite clothing styles. Obviously, this doesn't work for everything. I have yet to see a bootcut bathing suit, but there are definitely things you can copy. Necklines are a big one. If you like the way you look in a V-neck best, go for a swimsuit that mimics that V-shape. If you like a boat or bateau neckline, look for a high-neck swim top. Also, that favorite advice of mine that I give all the time, never put a horizontal line across the widest part of anything applies here too. If you don't like your tops tucked in or to wear belted styles in your real clothes, avoid horizontal lines and seams in your swimwear as well. You can learn a lot from your everyday clothes that you can apply to your swimwear. The colors, the lines, the necklines, all of those. Even do you like to wear tank tops that have thicker straps? Look for a swimsuit with thicker straps. Now for women with balanced body types, like our hourglasses, our rectangles, meaning women who are the same size on top as they are on the bottom, those women can do really well in one piece suits. But if your body is out of proportion, like an apple who's bigger on top or a pear who's bigger on bottom, you're going to do better in a two piece where you can mix and match sizes to get a proper fit. I had one client who wanted coverage. She did not want to wear a bikini, but she felt like tankinis were for old ladies. She wanted a fun, sexy one piece. The problem is she was two sizes bigger on the bottom than she was on the top. So every suit she tried on was either too big on the top, she couldn't fill it out, or too big on the bottom and she was hanging out. Finally, she agreed to try and we found a tankini that didn't feel momish, her word, not mine, and we got her the perfect fit right away. Next, use pattern and color strategically. I'm not going to tell you to buy a black swimsuit because it's slimming, because there are likely better choices out there for you. I know I've said this before, but there is no black magic. All dark colors make things recede and have exactly the same effect. And if there's a color that looks better on you than black, it can give your whole look a boost. Try navy or dark purple or hunter green. It might give your suit more personality and make you feel like you're not stuck in a boring old suit with no fun options. Color can play a huge role in how you feel about yourself. Also, patterns are a great way to highlight the parts you love 
or disguise the parts you don't love. Remember, patterns that are sparse and repeating will emphasize an area, while patterns that are dense and non-repeating will de-emphasize an area. This is another reason or another case for mix and match tops and bottoms, especially if you're trying to balance out your body. You can do the same thing with color. Put a light color on the area you'd rather highlight and a dark color on the area you don't want to highlight. You can also use color blocking on a suit to make the most of your body and your shape. Dark panels on the sides do wonders for making your torso look longer and leaner. Diagonal colored panels can add curves and move the eye around a little bit. So many women go for basic and solid when they choose swimwear because they kind of want to fly under the radar, so to speak. But color pattern, ruching, draping, and all those other little details can be your best friend when it comes to swimwear and actually clothes in general. Solids are not always the most flattering. When it comes to balancing out a body that's bigger in one area than another, something we don't often think about is adding volume to the smaller area. I know everyone feels like, I don't want to make something look bigger. Why would I want to do that? You have to remember that nothing is really big or small on its own, but in proportion to the rest of you. You can't minimize an area all that much, as much as we would love to. You can minimize it some, but I can't make my broad shoulders look narrower than my hips. It's not going to happen. What I can do though, is add volume like ruffles or a pattern that emphasizes my lower half. And then in proportion to my hips, my shoulders look less broad. I think a lot of women think about the minimizing strategies, but don't factor in the balancing strategies, which are often more effective. My last tip for you is that you should wear what makes you feel comfortable. I worked with a woman who hated her thighs, but she refused to try a skirted bottom because she said she wasn't ready for that phase of life. And I get that. But if it means you feel more comfortable at the beach, wear the dang skirt. I also worked with a woman who liked the way she looked showing a little bit more skin in a bikini, but she felt like she shouldn't because what would people say at my age? You know, that old routine. Honestly, nobody cares. And the most important thing is that you wear what you feel good in. Confidence is more important than the right pattern or the best cut. Those are just the tools to help you feel confident. Focus on feeling good. This summer, I challenge you to get back in a swimsuit if it's been a bit. If you have never invested in a good bathing suit, make this the season you find one you love. Throw on a pretty sun hat. Mine says do not disturb. Get some good sunscreen, grab a book, and wear your suit confidently knowing you look amazing. Your homework this week is to go through your swimsuits, get rid of the ones that make you feel bad or don't fit anymore or have worn out and they're saggy and start finding one you love. You can do a little online shopping or you can head to the stores if that's an option for you and you feel comfortable. Whatever you do, just start. Also, your homework is to grab the ultimate swim guide. It is free and it will help you find the best suit for your body type. It's got all the tips that we talked about today, plus a lot more, you can get it at youreverydaystyle.com slash swim, or by going to the show notes at youreverydaystyle.com slash episode 57 and finding the link. All right, that's it, everybody. I will see you Monday with office hours. 
Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast for show notes, freebies, and links to connect with me on social media. And if the Everyday Style School podcast is making style easier and more fun for you, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.